This episode is a mic swap. It's a concept I came up with back in 2017 at the very start of Shareable. I thought, what if I shared the mic and let my guests become the host and I became the guest of my own show? This simple swap has allowed my guest hosts to take the conversation in unique and unexpected directions, producing some amazing one-of-a-kind conversations that I never could have planned. The concept is so good, in fact, that plenty of my podcaster friends have taken the idea for themselves. So, I hope you enjoy this episode of Mike Swap. Hey everyone, welcome back to Shareable. This is the guest host, Julie B, and I get the pleasure of interviewing Jeff Gibber today. He has told me that this is my show, this is my podcast, until uh, we end the show. So, Jeff, welcome to Shareable. Thanks for being here today, and I'm looking forward to this interview. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Jeff, I want to get started with just, you know, you've been in business for a while, and um, today I'd really like to talk about success and legacy outside of your business, if you're game for that. I'm game for anything. That's your show. I will go where you take yeah. us. And we may get into a little bit about how your business supports it and how, you know, some of the wins and losses you've had and how you've seen that, you know, reflected into your your. Uh, personal life, but I really, I love to get behind the scenes with business owners and really dig into it. So Jeff, why don't we just start out with uh, what, how do you define success outside of, outside of work, outside of business? For me, success is a holistic concept that is entirely dependent upon more than anything else, probably freedom, freedom and autonomy. And I don't mean freedom in like the rah-rah USA way. I mean, like literally the capacity to make my own decisions and mm -hmm. choose my own uh choose my own options basically so not and and not within like a prescribed set of limited options that somebody told me I could have but more like I get to decide where I take my career if I'm interested in this that I can go and do that thing if I want to try an idea that I can do that thing um and that it that includes in outside of work as well that for me the um the for me, success is freedom from control um, of other people's control and the freedom to flex my own autonomy and go my own route and, and leave behind my own legacy, essentially. So there has to be some type of story or two from, I, I am guessing you've known this for a long time. Do you have any stories from when you were you know, a teenager or even younger than that, or even in, maybe even in, in your early 20s of when you, you know, when you realized that you were going to do things your way. And, and, and that was really going to be the freedom to do that was really going to be how you define success. Can you look back at any of those origin stories? For sure. I, and I can point very clearly to some of the things. So one, my dad was absolutely terrible with authority. You could always see it. Like he just didn't like the idea of anyone telling him what to do. And I clearly got some of that from him. He also instilled in me the idea that I could do anything I set my mind to. And that if I found something I love to do, then I would never work a day in my life. And I love that idea of just play do things that make you happy, do things that you enjoy, right? So so those are two very clear things. Um, I also have ADHD and I later, disco later discovered way later in life that I'm also on the uh, autism spectrum. And I think that there's a lot of traumatic reasons why I also fall into this, which is that I didn't understand why I wasn't free to just be me the way that I do things or why I wasn't free to solve math problems the way that I did it. Like I got the right answer. Why? Because I didn't show my work, but I could do it in my head. Why am I wrong? Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot around um, the, um, I don't know, I guess, I guess just my reaction against the idea that there's any sort of rules that I'm supposed to be following when I'm not hurting anyone. Like I am me, I should be able and free to be who I am. 
carve out my identity so long as it's not harming anyone else. If I'm able to do that, then that to me is success because I, I very distinctly understand and feel in my bones the emotional signature of the times where I felt confined uh, and incapable of being truly myself. And I think that that's unfair, not just for me, but I don't think anybody should have to deal with that. I think every single person on this planet should have the freedom to be fully expressed for who they are and what they're interested in. And I go so far as to say the the entirety of society should be restructured in such a way to support that. So when you're, you know, when you are kind of living, you know, doing your daily work and living your, living your life, I, I, do you find things sometimes that feeling of confinement does creep in though still, like even though you do, you know, set your schedule and you're doing what you do, do you ever find yourself feeling confined? Um, little bits, I would say like, um, sort of like the diet version, the light mm-hmm. version, you know, because I work for myself. It's like, I always, I always know that the back door is open. It's like, mm-hmm. um, when you're sleeping and you, you mm-hmm. get too hot under the covers and you stick that one leg out, mm-hmm. I always have one leg out, meaning that I know that I still am making the choice to be in whatever this thing is, mm-hmm. even if it feels like something I don't want to do, or it's confining, I am still choosing to do that. Cause I know that I can always choose not to, um, yeah. So, and, and I, I know that I'm very lucky and I have a lot of privileges that afford me the ability to make those sorts of decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's a big piece of it, but I yeah. feel it now and again, but I also know that, um, that I still have choices. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, I, I love to talk about success and I think we'll come back around to that, but I want to ask you about failure and the flip side of that. Um, how, how do you view failure and you know, a lot of people have, they, they will say things like failure is just learning lessons or failure is, you know, it's not really failure, but what, what's your take on what failure actually means to you? I think I have probably a multitude of different answers Mm -hmm. to that. So it all depends on how I failed, meaning Mm -hmm. like, was it something that I wanted to do? Was it something somebody else wanted me to do? Was it something where the stakes were really high or the stakes were really, so there's like a lot of different, there's a lot mm-hmm. tied into that, right? So I think to not succeed at something is not inherently a, a bad thing. I think that's just part of process. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say as someone who also has trouble celebrating their own successes, that the idea of taking failure to heart isn't that big of a leap because to me, everything could be better could have been better, could have been bigger, could have been bolder, could have been more impactful. So I hold a very, very high standard. So for me, anything that is not runaway success is by nature failure. So I've come very, very, uh, I've come to terms with it in such a way where to me, um, failure isn't like this. uh, It's not this deep, dark pit. It's very familiar. It's like Mm -hmm. right there all the time. It's it's not living up to whatever the big idea was, Mm -hmm. um, which is more often than not. So I would say that's the other thing. And then there's the failure of, um, I failed someone else's expectations. Mm -hmm. And that is a totally different failure because Mm -hmm. mostly I don't care. But if I care about that person and I know that they're invested in me and I'm invested in them, then I I somewhat care in it and it may change things. Like if I fail my wife, Mm -hmm. that hurts and I don't want to fail her in Mm -hmm. any part of our relationship. If I fail, I don't know, a client I've been working with for two months, like, okay, pound sand, I'll go find somebody else. You can find somebody else that's a better fit. Like the world will keep spinning. 
Um, so there's, I guess I'm, my answer to it is multifaceted because it yeah. would depend on the failure. Um, but yeah. I don't think it's inherently good, inherently bad, but I think every failure is an opportunity to reassess and pivot or push through. You said something really interesting and in that to me, um, you said something like you, you have a hard time celebrating your successes. Can you talk more about that? Um, so you played basketball, so you'll yeah. understand this. Um, <laughs> you hit a three in the four minutes into the first quarter. Mm -hmm. What are you, what are you celebrating for? Yeah. It's game ain't over. When I look at my life, everything that I'm doing is part of the game. You don't celebrate till the game's over. And I don't know if when the game is over, I would have the opportunity to look back and celebrate it. I don't mm -hmm. particularly personally believe that, but I also don't think it matters. For me, it's about playing the game while there's still time on the clock. And so you don't stop and celebrate. You don't drop the ball before the goal line. You don't mm -hmm. celebrate after hitting a three because maybe you're down. Maybe you're, maybe you're up by a little, but the game's not over. So it's not so much that I don't appreciate that I've done things. I do. I'm very proud of my book, but mm -hmm. I also look back at my book and I see all the places where over the seasons that it took me to write it, where there are now things that I either disagree with, or I think I could have done better, or I could add more context to, or I wish I pushed harder or took bigger risks. So while it's still one of my biggest achievements and why I'm incredibly proud of it and the audiobook's about to come out and I think it's awesome, I also still look back on it and say, there's still time left on the clock. I still have more entries to write. I still have more context to add. I still have more, I have more threes to hit. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that's what I mean by it. Um, it's not like a, it's not like a, I don't take non-successes, non-successes as, as failure. Mm -hmm. They're just, the game's still going. Yeah. No time. Got to keep going. Keep going. How do you, with that mentality though, how do you make sure you don't burn out? You know, we've, we've talked about burnout uh, and I'm, I'm just curious because that's, that's one of the things that I see in business owners is that they, you know, it's like, okay, I got the book deal. Now what I, okay. I sold a bunch of books. Now what? Okay. I, I closed this client. Now what? And it's that now what is great, but if you never, like getting a book or writing, writing a book, I don't, writing a book is a, is a big, that's a, that's a big success. So, and I think the part of the reason business owners burn out is they also don't like celebrate those milestones. Um, and so I totally get your sports analogy, but like business ownership and, and life, really, there's an infinite game to that. So how do you make sure that, you know, you are recognizing those milestones and, and, and giving them their, their place without you know with, you, you keep going but that like how do you make sure you don't burn out basically because it sounds like you're just kind of constantly looking for the next thing and i am but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say this and tell me if this resonates with you yeah i think the work that we do not necessarily the volume of the work mm -hmm. is what determines whether or not we hit burnout right mm -hmm. so if i have a day where i'm back-to-back -back meetings that somebody else has my yeah. child is crying in the background if you can hear that um but uh, if I have back-to-back -back meetings that are about things that are for someone else, or maybe it's work that I'm not super excited about, they're like things that just have to get done. Mm -hmm. I could get burned out from that. Yeah. But every time I do something that I've chosen to, mm -hmm. I love it. I light up. I do work that for me is anytime I get to work on my stuff, mm -hmm. I'm excited. 
So if I literally spent the rest of my life and I never had to work with another client, I never Mm -hmm. had to, for the rest of my life, go hunt so that I could eat. If I had that and I could just do, I would never burn out because I know how to indulge in my relaxation time and and to take Mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. Where I burn out is when I feel like I can't do that because I have to go and get money so that I can eat. That's where my burnout happens. Got it. For me, so the celebration of the win is a recognition of a new entry in in the stack of stuff that I've done, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I don't, I don't know if I've celebrated a single blog post I've ever written, but I got about 1,300 of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm thrilled that I have 1,300. Mm-hmm. I look at that body of work and I'm proud of that body of work. I'm not proud of every single word that's ever been written. I'm mm-hmm. sure I could look back and find fault and find error, but I don't need to celebrate that because I'm, celebrating it by continuing it. I'm celebrating it by adding it to my body of work where I get burned out is always and exclusively when it's about something that I didn't choose and that I wouldn't choose. Did I not need to pay a mortgage and send my kids to school and buy groceries and things like that? So wipe that off the table. Everything I do would bring me nothing but joy. That's the have to versus the want to and exactly. the, the have to is the stuff that that burns you out do do you ever find that changing just the the have you ever had any success with changing how you look at those have to's or is it just like this is a have to and i'm I, i'm going I mean, to get burned yeah. out on it yeah, yeah. kids like <laughs> i got two kids i'll tell you there's a lot of have to's with kids <laughs> Yeah. And, and if you can't reframe that, like if you're someone like me who like, I, I have, I, I probably have a profile of like PDA pathological demand avoidance or persistent demand for autonomy, whatever you call it. It's an autistic, mm-hmm. uh, 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 profile, okay. uh, and oppositional demand defiance. So like, I don't like being told what to do, right? Like that's yeah. a thing. I don't like it. Yeah. And kids will tell you what to do all the time. Oh, My daughter's like, we're sure. going fishing. I'm like, what? And she's like right here in the kitchen, we're fishing happened this morning. Um, and you have to reframe it from like thing that you have to do at the moment because she's telling you to a thing you mm-hmm. want to do because you have to see, I have to see her life in context. I have to see that mm-hmm. this is a moment where this three-year-old girl wants to play with daddy. And mm-hmm. if I don't give her that time, I'm not being the father that I want to be, which yeah. is a father who pays attention to their to his children and spends mm-hmm. time with them and validates them and indulges in imagination and playtime with them. In mm-hmm. the moment, I don't want to do it. I need to do it. But if I can step back occasionally, and this is entirely a function of sleep, <laughs> which they yeah. also put pressure on. Uh-huh. Uh, but if, if I'm well rested and I've gone through my morning wake up routine, I have like a series of like a boot up sequence that I need to do. Mm-hmm. If I do that. I'm good. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of times with kids where I got to, I got to turn my, you need to do this into like, well, you want to do this because, or like, I think about how much my wife has done, you know, in a particular period, like maybe I wake up a little later than she does. And she handled like some of the morning shift and I come down, then there's something I need to do. Well, now I want to do it because I see that she is losing her mind and Mm -hmm. she needs to go for a run and I got this right. So now Mm -hmm. I want to, in that moment, because I want to, I want to be her partner. I want to be on her side. I want to Mm -hmm. support her so she can have what she needs. So yeah, there are definitely times and the most obvious to me that are right at arm's distance is absolutely when it comes to the family and kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to poke at this a little bit more outside of family. Who do you want to be? Outside of family, who do I want to be? Um, yeah. 
I mean, I think deep down, I kind of want to be like a revolutionary who changes the entire world because I'm so dissatisfied with what we have. Mm-hmm. I think we could do so much better. Um, I want to solve a big problem. I want to, I want to encourage people to join a movement to make things better. That that's my big thing. Like I want to, I want to create a world with more superheroes. Um, and what I mean by that is like people who take it as a responsibility that they have to use their powers for good, to protect people, to self-sacrifice, to be compassionate, to be resilient, to do all the things you need to do as a superhero to make the world safer, kinder, more equitable. So like, that's my, that's my mission. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, the, legacy I want to leave behind, like the, what is the impact is like, I want to be known as someone who left a dent. That's why I asked that question on my own podcast. Like Mm -hmm. what's the dent you want to make? Like, I want to make a dent. I want people to say like, he dedicated his life through, if you look at all of his work, Mm -hmm. if you look at the things he wrote, the things he said, Mm -hmm. the way he interacted with people, the things he spoke about, if you look at that body of work, you'll see that he was committed to a thing and he was relentlessly committed to that thing, faults and flaws and all and missteps. He was committed to that thing and change happened because of it. That's ultimately what I'd be about because I don't know. My view on things is like, we're all here for the period we're here. And like, that's it. Right. And like mm-hmm. some people leave behind a legacy and a, and a memory and some fade into obscurity. And in the scheme of the universe, this tiny pebble floating through an endless universe doesn't really matter. But if we're going to make it matter, if we choose to make it matter, it's because we want to leave behind something important. And I think that's yeah. what's important for me. Absolutely. So you, you brought up superheroes and, uh, you know, you feel like everybody has the, if, if they do have a superpower, using it for good. And I'm really curious because I know you're deep into this, the superhero, villain, all of that world. Who, who do you think is the most misunderstood villain that it, out of your, you know, out of your own context, who do you think is the most misunderstood, like super comic book villain? And then why? Why oh do you think they're the God. most misunderstood? This is like such an insanely big question. Holy <laughs> moly. Uh, okay. I bring the heat, Jeff. That's what I do. This is, so like, here's an example of like, there's not an answer I can give to this that I would be satisfied with because this is like a four hour podcast. You just asked me a four hour <laughs> okay. podcast question, but I'm going to do my best to distill down what I think would be a good answer. I'm going to say Magneto. And I'm going to say Magneto because I, I think Magneto is seen as a villain. And I think Magneto is often remembered for various genocidal storylines. But I think if you look at Magneto and the history of the character, grew up in a concentration camp and saw the atrocities of the Holocaust and, you know, is a mutant and sees the discrimination against mutants throughout the storylines and wants to kind of like build a safe place for mutants and all of that. Um, gosh, I, I just can't even think of uh, a more relatable villain and someone who has more justification for their reasons of doing the things that they do. Obviously, I think there's a lot of things that were horrible that Magneto has done, but uh, in different storylines, but I think overall very misunderstood villain and widely thought of as a genocidal maniac when I, I, I think fairly reasonable why he might be that way. Yep. So Magneto. Yeah, he he's, I would 
I would be right there with you. I think that the top he came top of mind when I when I was thinking about that question because of everything that you just you just talked about. Definitely misunderstood guy had some had some issues, but you know, I think all superheroes they they struggle with that balance between confidence and humility yep. and the ones that go after the ego and go after the power tend to turn into the villain. So that's, you know, kind of a lesson for humanity, I think is yeah. the power is not where the good guys hang out. Like that's just, that tends to not that. Yeah. But you know, great. what's interesting. I've heard some really interesting takes recently, mm-hmm. specifically on Batman. One, oh. there's a big, there's a big uh, narrative out there that Batman mm-hmm. is like super fascist. And I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, also you got a billionaire that's running around beating up street level crooks. And aside from like some of the work he does with the Wayne Foundation, mm-hmm. you think to yourself, there's better things you could do as a billionaire than yeah. that. So uh, I'm also reading an interesting book right now on the history of Batman called The Caped Crusade. And I'm learning all about the various uh, phases of Batman and where he directed his attention. But um, yeah, that there's a whole narrative out there about, you know, superheroes as the defenders of the status quo versus villains who try to shake things up. And then... Yeah. You know, there's, there's just a lot there. There's, I, I know I have a better answer for the villain one. Cause I got, you know, <laughs> inside of me, there's one that's like, yeah. you almost can't even argue that this villain is probably actually a good guy. Like is actually probably right. There. Yeah. The, 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 that's one of those questions. I figured you would be like, Oh my gosh. Uh, there's too much to chew that? on there. That's like a, that's literally like we could four hour this one. Like that's not even fair. That, okay. That's that's one of those questions for your like hot takes or the, the, yeah. the quick Ted thing that you do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean with, with the superhero stuff, then I, I think, what do you think is the common thread that makes a superhero good inherently good? What do you think is their common thread? Um, I think a lot about this and I think my answer has changed even since getting into mm-hmm. superheroes kind of professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have the superhero code, uh, which I could bring up, which are like the 10 attributes that I think mm-hmm. help define someone to be a superhero. And there are things like resilience and courage and protection, mm-hmm. uh, self-sacrifice, compassion, um, uh, 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 or some of the other ones. Um, I'm forgetting them off the top of my head right now, just cause I'm forgetting them. But okay. I, I think the, the big ones are are self-sacrifice and protection that like you're willing to sacrifice your own safety to protect and help others. I think that's a big, big, big thing of superheroes. But again, I, I think in the, in the larger conversation that's happening around superhero, superhero media, superhero narratives is if superheroes aren't, are just protecting the status quo, then superheroes, those are not necessarily the superheroes I'm talking about. What I'm looking for in super superheroes are people that are willing to disrupt the status quo in order to make a more just and equitable world. So I don't think justice exists and superheroes are there to protect a just world. I think a superhero's job is not done within the confines of even the law or within the confines of existing society. I think superheroes have to constantly be in the battle of revolution to make things better. So I I have a big, there's another four hour episode. Um, (laughs) But I think what makes people like in a very practical level, like in terms of the work I'm doing here is that you have a gift. Mm -hmm. I have a gift. Everyone, you know, has a gift. We all have gifts Mm -hmm. and we can use those gifts. Uh, We can ignore that those are even gifts. We can, we can assume that they're just average or normal or commonplace, or we can try to use those gifts in service of making the world even a little bit better in one way. Maybe you do something really well and you teach one other person how to do that. I think that's a super heroic act. Um, and I, and if you kind of boil it all down, it's like, put more kindness in the world, put more safety in the world, put more equity in the world, use whatever power position privilege you have Mm -hmm. to bring people up 
who don't have those advantages and try to, you know, consistently break down systems that keep other people down and oppress them or marginalize them. I think that's what superheroes do. They have to mm -hmm. constantly be vigilant against, um, you know, burgeoning hierarchies that, that try to, um, you know, give some people the benefit at the expense of others. Hmm. What's your superhero name? Charisma. Charisma. Yeah. That's Charisma. the one I usually use. I, I will say though, that, um, I, I have different superhero names for different circumstances. So, uh, I have this whole technique I use called the alter ego technique where Got it. there are certain scenarios where I need to be a certain way, right? Not necessarily be a different person, but to mm -hmm. embody certain elements of myself and sort of maybe tamper down other ones. So for instance, uh, I'm a keynote speaker and mm -hmm. when I'm up on stage, I like to actually use uh, a, a, a moniker that I attribute to myself mm -hmm. to, to, um, to exhibit certain characteristics, to really focus myself, to, to be certain ways and to kind of let other things fade to the background, right? So see if you can guess what my superhero name is on stage. When I get up on stage, I want to bring people towards me. I want to encourage them to gravitate towards me and be enrolled in my mission. I want them to see the, the movement that I'm trying to build. And I want them to feel like they want to be part of that movement for change. Mm -hmm. What do you think it might be? Galvanizer. Magneto. Because I want to be <laughs> magnetic. I want to pull them in like magnets. And I want them Got to it. be part of my brotherhood of mutants, so to speak, to go yeah. out there and change the world. Now, I don't okay. I don't want to do it at the, you know, I don't want to mm -hmm. burn anything down in that necessarily. Yeah. Um, maybe anyway. So well, yeah. No, we won't we won't burn anything down. We'll we'll use the powers for good. What is, yeah. what super what superhero do you feel like you're showing up as right now on this podcast? On this podcast, oh yeah. geez, um, your 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 no your ego, like your alter egos, like which superhero are you? Charisma right now? Or are you Magneto? Um, I think I'm mild mannered right now. I, I mild so, mannered. So I actually have uh, my own superhero logo um, <laughs> that I wear on my own shirts, and I have multiple variations of it. So I have um, superhero, mm -hmm. uh, superhero alternate, antihero. Got I it. have okay. a villain logo. I have a future logo and I have a mild mannered logo. So mild mannered is just like, this is my Clark Kent, right? Like what you're seeing here, this is Jeff. This is me standard. Like I'm not putting on anything. Yeah. I'm just a podcaster. I talk. Mm -hmm. These are the things I'm interested in. I share everything. I'm totally open and transparent. I'm like hiding nothing, right? Mm -hmm. The superhero personas are amplifying certain aspects. Um, and I think when I'm on a podcast, I, I've done this enough times where I don't feel like the need to amplify anything. Mm -hmm. I just show up and I do me. Like I, I'm the only thing on my podcast that I always focus on is being curious. Got that's it. that's the only superpower I try to really amplify on my show is like really be curious. Got it. Right. So Jeff, one thing I really want to ask you, because you, you've mentioned your kids and we've also talked about playing, you're continuing to play the game. You know, the game is ongoing. The game has not ended. When the game does end for you though, which who knows, you know, hopefully that's a long time from now. I hope so too. What do you hope your kids remember about how you played the game? I hope that it encourages them in a couple different ways. So like, I, I hope that they remember that I was driven. Like, I hope that they see that it's important to have a direction and a purpose. 
like a reason that you are here because you got to make it up. Nobody's going to tell you. So I hope that one, I inspire them to do that. Two, I, I hope that it inspires them to do it for a noble reason, not a selfish one. Like I hope it, it makes them outwardly focused um, in their actions and inwardly focused in their development. Um, and I hope that it really inspires them to put kindness and love first. Um, I hope that they look at my body of work. I hope that they look at who I was as a father and how I interacted with their mother. And I hope that it encourages them to believe that even though we feel the instinct at times to be angry or resentful, mm -hmm. or vengeful or any of that. And I've got a supervillain like lurking inside of me for sure. Um, but I, I try to choose again and again and again to manifest the best version of myself. And I hope that that's something that they see, they respect, they want to embody for themselves, but I hope that they do it in their own way. Right. Like I, I hope that they look at the model that I was and think that I did a good, good job by them and that I set them up to succeed. Um, but that I set them up to succeed in a way that didn't put any pressures or expectations on them to do it my way, just mm -hmm. to do it kind, you know what I mean? Like just to yeah. good in the world, they don't have to do my revolution. They can do their own revolution, whatever's important yeah. to them, but that they do it for a reason. Mm -hmm. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for doing this mic swap today. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to interview you on your on your channel. So thanks for giving me the floor here and uh, allowing me to ask you all the really deep, insightful questions that we could talk for four hours about. <laughs> for sure. I had a good time. All right. And that'll wrap up this episode uh, for Jeff Gibbard. This is Julie B, also known as The Unraveler. And this podcast is very, very shareable. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message or hit me up on social media. I'm easy to find, but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy. Seriously, I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers, and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And finally, if you're interested in working with me or checking out any of my other projects, go to jgibbard.com. That link, as well as every other link mentioned, will be found in the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and seriously, share this episode with someone. I'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.